Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. On today's show, I am with Karina Oldale, a fellow business networker here in Rotherham, owner of a local business, but one that has a global reach. And what a story she is going to share with us. Get your cuppers, unless you're driving, of course, as we join the wonderful, the darling Karina Oldale. Welcome, Karina. Thank you. Hello and welcome. Cup of coffee, glass of whiskey. Glass of whiskey. my story. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, if you're listening late in the evening, glass of whiskey, glass of gin, whatever. Right now we're recording and it's not even lunchtime. The, what is it they say? It's not past the yard arm. So we're on coffee. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's always time for wine somewhere in the world. Somewhere in the world. As you know, with your yes. business, because your current business is travel agency, isn't it? It is. Yes. And we're going to speak about that a bit later. But I know, I mean, I've known you what nearly a year now yeah and um (laughs) absolute wonderful stories and an amazing life and we're going to hear about uh, a few of them we're going to focus on one in particular because I'd love to hear about it so let's start Karina as I always do you know we usually all go to school Mm. um, and then we set off in the wild world so Mm. what was life like once you set off in in that that world I had two jobs. I was an apprentice hairdresser and I used to be, believe it or not, a cleaner for a restaurant, a state restaurant next door, which is where I met my husband, who was the chef. Brilliant. And um, I know that you've actually been with your husband ever since, haven't you? This, I have. Yeah. And um, you'll see if you if you watch the promotions for this, you, you'll see the image of Karina She's a lady that's aging well, but she's not a whippersnapper. How long have you been with your husband now, Karina? Well, I'd have got less for murder. (laughs) 49 years. Wow. In about two weeks, we will have been married, but it's 50 years Christmas Day night. Oh, congratulations. That is a milestone. That really is. Uh, The longest I lasted was three years. (laughs) But like I said, I got less twice in that murder. I <laughs> know. Oh, no. oh, it's so funny. I tell you guys, Karina comes out with some corkers. I'm hoping she's got a few for us today. Mm. So you met you met hubby, you were cleaning, you were working in a restaurant. Um, I mean, this this was in an era, no surprises to most people. This was in an era when I'm guessing a lot of women when they got married would then stop work. That was yeah. a common thing, wasn't it? So yeah. is that what you did or? Nope. No, you booked the trend. (laughs) No, I used to do hairdressing in the day, cleaning at night after I'd finished and at weekends. Once we got married, I then went to work in a restaurant with my husband and we used to do shifts. Um, And I, the only time I stopped working was when I was pregnant with my son and pregnant with my daughter. Other than that, I was always doing something. Wow. So, um, what, what, where did life take you and hubby? Cause he's a chef. He was working in restaurants. Were you both employed at that time? Yeah, we were both employed, um, and quite happily living in a, in the restaurant's house. Um, but my husband was ill, took some time off and they didn't pay the other chef 
part of Ian's way. Janine didn't think that was right because he'd done two jobs. So he handed his notice in and handed mine in as well. <laughs> Did you know he was going to hand your notice no. in? No. <laughs> he walked out the room, walked past the bar because I was barmaid receptionist and went, we're finished. Get your stuff. What did you think to that then? I was gobsmacked. I didn't know what to say other than I got my stuff and went. And I think it was four days later we moved up to Sheffield because that was all in Buckinghamshire. Ah, okay. Which is where I'm from. Right. Yeah, I spent, as many of my listeners know, I spent 20 odd years down in Berkshire. I am a Yorkshire girl, but went down for work and came back in 2010. Not that far from Buckinghamshire. No, it's not. I know quite a few places in there. Mm. I think, is it the Bear? The Bear Hotel was brilliant. Mm. Loved it down there. But anyway, so you came up to Sheffield. How did you survive? What did you live on? Uh, Ian got a job straight away working as a chef in a hospital. We live with his mum and dad, which is another story. Um, and I I think I was about a week and a half and I got a job in menswear in Atkinson's in Sheffield. Oh, I know. I, Atkinson's, I remember mm-hmm. that place. Wow. Measuring the inside leg was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Told you she was full of great one-liners, guys. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> Wasn't even politically correct back then, was it? <laughs> Are you serious? Tape measure, put it up there. <laughs> Oh, did you know, I remember you you might have been there in Reading years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but there was a really old fashioned department store where they still had the tubes going through the building. So if you placed an order, they would literally write the order down, take your cash because it was pre everybody having cards They'd stick the tube up into the system. Five minutes later, you're still waiting as what comes back down is your change and your receipt. <laughs> and I think, if I remember, Atkinson's wasn't that dissimilar. No, it was the same. Yeah. It was the same. I think that department store, was it not Bins or something like that? I can't, rem- it- I can't remember. I was thinking Jones's or something, but I can't remember. Mm. It was down near the the um, Kennet Canal and um, I don't think it's there anymore, but it always did fascinate me because, mm. I mean, years ago when I was down there, so I'm talking, what, 30 odd years ago, it still seemed old fashioned then. Yeah. But yeah, crazy. So you went to work in the department store. Now I know... Um, and it's one of the things I'd, I'd love for us to expand and understand more on. I know about 10 years ago, you went on a program to raise money for a business. So at w- mm. what point did you move from working for other people, you and hubby, into having a business that you then took forward onto a national TV program? In 1990. We set up a paving company and I used to do all the sales for it. Um, We had quite a few teams and we built it up. And then we did a commercial job. And unfortunately, you need to learn when you're doing a commercial job. Um, We almost lost everything through that customer not paying. So now we always, if we're doing any commercial jobs, we have a contract and we stick to that contract. But we did the paving company. Our son left school. He came in it. Our daughter didn't. She went off to university. And then we got asked to set it up in the south of France. 
Um, without even asking my husband, the bloke came and he said, I'd like you to, I went, yep, yeah, we're doing it. And it was Nice. Um, and we all went out in the November. My son's fiance, as she was then, now his wife, uh, went out for a weekend. I loved it because I love the sun. So we eventually, I think my husband and my son went out in the January I stayed behind, packed the house up, and then I drove the dog and my now daughter-in-law. We went down by car to the south of France. I then stayed and carried on doing the sales in France, and I couldn't speak much French. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was quite hilarious at times, and one in particular I can think of, we did the sale over a bottle of JD. And he kept smashing the bottle down when I kept going, shaking my head and going, no. And he he walked off, he stormed off like the French do, eventually come back. We sold it and we did his patio around the pool. Brilliant. And I learned French. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I suspect in Nice, this wasn't a small pool. No, we actually uh, settled in a place called Brignol, which is junction 35 of the A8. About 40, 45 minutes, I think, from Nice. My son and his fiance lived in Fréjou. They were, could walk to the beach, so it was lovely, but it's very stressful in France trying to set business up. You think it's stressful here, try it in France. Um, and my husband had enough and just said he couldn't do it. So he came back to England, which is another story, and my son came back eventually and started the business up again. So while you were in Nice, the business in the UK wasn't effectively operating, no, it was all running out no. of France. Because we'd, we'd packed it all up because we the plan was to stay out there. Yeah. Um, but the stress was too much for my husband. Wow. So you're back in the UK and then in 2012, 2012, <laughs> 2012, I'm just adding a few hundred <laughs> years, millennia onto the world. In 2012, you appeared on our screens on Dragon's Den. Now, I know what we see when you go on Dragon's Den is we see 10 to 15 minutes of the people coming on, putting forward what they want to do, getting grilled and then getting offered or not. But I'm guessing it's not actually that straightforward. No, it's not. It's It can be hilarious if you know your pitch. And I thankfully was, they came and got me at 12 o'clock to take me down. And then they got a call to say, no, she's not. Director's changed his mind. So I was put in a green room on my own. And I spent till six o'clock just walking up and down, repeating my pitch. So when I went down, I knew my pitch inside out. I got cramped just before I was supposed to walk down the stairs. And all I kept thinking was, if I don't fall in front of Peter Jones, I'm fine. (laughs) And I turned around to try and get rid of my cramp and they said, you can't go that way, you've got to go that way. Anyway, I got down the stairs without falling at Peter Jones' stripy socks. Um, Walked across and they tell you to start. And I started and I got Duncan Bannatyne, Theopathetis, Hilary DeVay and Peter Jones. Hilary was off. She was ill. Right. So there was only four of them and I did my pitch and 
they was firing questions at me and I was firing them back. And Theo at one bit said to me, one of us is barking mad. <laughs> and I leant forward and I went, well, it's not me. <laughs> and um, Deborah sort of smirked. And at the end, I'd got an offer. Uh, they wanted, it was Theo, but he wanted 50%. And I knew I couldn't go to that. So I turned him down. But I also said, can I shake your hands? Well, I'm not normally like this, but Duncan Bannatyne got up and hugged me. And oh my God, is he ripped. <laughs> and then... Well, he does own a set of gyms or oh, is it his I wife know. that owns those now? <laughs> I know, but it's that poor. Um, and then it was... Theo, and he just said, you should have took me offer. Deborah said, feel proud because you got to the den and you got an offer. And Peter Jones stood up and went, come here, shorty. And he hugged me and my head was in his chest and it's just so ripped. It was just like, oh. Sounds like your head's never actually got out of his chest done. (laughs) I mean, what's so funny, guys, is when we're at our business meeting that we're in the same group on a Friday you know we all stand up to do our little 60 seconds and we often have a little a little fun (laughs) dig at Karina because she stands up and we all go Karina stand up (laughs) she she, she, she's actually wonderfully more close to the ground than some of us are let's put it that way now and you know we will we're gonna we're gonna go through some of this because this was with the paving company wasn't it so you went on there for the paving company? No, it no, was, it was another co- My son ah. found this environmentally friendly de-icer on the internet and I followed it up and it was made in Beijing. And I went out for just over a week to Beijing with somebody else um, to do the deal. And I wanted European rights And they wanted me to give them some money and to say that I would pay them so much if I didn't sell. And I said, no, I'm not signing. And this went on all week. The night before we was due to come home, I got a call at 10 o'clock. Right, we'll take that out the contract. Will you still sign? And I said, yes, if it's out the contract, I will. And I think we flew at something like two o'clock. So they came and picked us up in the morning, signed the contract and flew home. Now, I'm suspecting you didn't speak Mandarin or Cantonese either. No. no. So there's, there's a pattern here, isn't there, of travelling far abroad <laughs> and going places where you don't speak the lingo and you're you're doing negotiations and winning. Yeah, but... How's that work? Because I don't think about it. That's my... Maybe that's a downfall of mine, but I don't think about things like that. I just think I get this beer in my bonnet, I'm going to do it, and that's it. I don't think, oh God, I can't speak. It's just something that I do. I never think about it wherever I go. I mean, I'm going to Peru soon. God help us if they don't speak. If they don't speak Indian, Karina's, Karina's lost. Now, I know we were talking um, before we start recording. So, you know, this Dragon's Den thing, okay, they put you downstairs in a green room for six hours. But they also asked you to change, didn't they? Yeah, my clothes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd got this really, I was, I felt the bee's knees in this outfit. It was a navy dress, business dress, with a navy and white jacket, striped. You can't wear that. 
you've got to wear your other outfit, which was a black jacket with a red dress and a pair of black shoes that weren't comfortable. And I was like, I need to take them off. I was hobbling, but trying not to show that I was hobbling. <laughs> and yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so funny. It's, we don't, you know, as with any TV programme, guys, we only see the final edit. It's a bit like this show. You only get the final edits. <laughs> but it's just some of the things that go on um, when they're recording. It, it, you know, I suspect the outtakes for Karina's would have been pretty brilliant. Well, they were filming two and a half hours and I did have to go back to do the red button. And I can remember them saying, what did you think? to the dragons and I can remember doing a star jump and going they're behind that curtain aren't they they're going to come out aren't they and he went no we're just asking you what you thought to the dragons <laughs> and what was your answer I loved it I loved it all of them they were great as long as you know what you're talking about I would advise anybody to do it it's an experience it's great and so you got an offer and not many people turn down an offer. I know there's not many. If they get offered, they, they eventually yeah. take it. So I, I get that Theo wanted 50%. Yeah. Looking back, do you have any, do you have any, not regrets per se, it's like the wrong word, but do you have any thoughts about you should have done it differently? You should have made a different decision or you should have asked him to change his offer? Um, no, I, I don't. I just think I learned a lot from it. We got an awful lot of exposure. We was getting about a thousand emails a day from all over the world. And I'm still actually getting them, the odd one or two. Wow. Um, but my son always says he regrets it, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Did your son go on there with you or did you present no, it, it all? it was just me. So your son, and your son owned... Was your son effectively part owner of this? He was part owner with my husband and they did ask where they were and I said they didn't want to come. They didn't want to get in front of you. <laughs> but Queen of Big Balls went instead. <laughs> in fact, when they aired it on television and I could give you the date, I know exactly when it was, um, my son and my daughter and that came to watch it and my son put on Facebook... I never thought I'd ever say this, but my mother's got bigger balls than me. Yeah, short in stature, but <laughs> giant in nature, guys. Um, so, the, you know, you, you still get in emails. It, it still gave that company some exposure. Did that company go anywhere? No, I met with some sharks, learnt a lot. Um, and the person that, for a better word, shafted me. Looks like he's going to prison. Oh, wow. So, all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so, um, brilliant. Now, I want to move us into life now and what you're doing now, because you have your own business and you're also doing things to help your son's yeah. business. So, the paving company still exists. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that, you had a customer not pay. Yeah. Now I know, cause we've already spoke the story when you set this, or well, when it came back into being here in Yorkshire, you were effectively, nobody could beat you. Could they, when it came to doing these paving no. jobs? No. Um, and you took on this big contract. Yep. 
tell us a little bit more. What, how did you say they didn't pay? Was it that they didn't pay at all? Did they pay some of it? Because this is something that a lot of you guys listening, whether you've got a business or you're thinking of starting one, I believe this is a wonderful bit of life experience in business for you to know about so that you learn from it. So how did this customer job go? Well, he he actually paid a deposit, the deposit that we wanted, but it was the first commercial one that we'd done and we thought we'd made it and we agreed to the rest of the payment on completion. Um, We did the job, nice job. He tried to tell us that we'd damaged his wall, but this wall had got thick cobwebs in. Um, So that was a no-no. And then eventually I got talking to people and found out he was well known for this. He'd pay the deposit and then he wouldn't pay anymore. And unfortunately, we had to pay our suppliers. Yeah. So we paid our suppliers, but it left us in the wrong place. So did that impact the business? Did it? I mean, it's going to have affected the business, but did it cause the business to go under or anything? Yeah, the business went, um, but we restarted, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks later. Um, and we've been going ever since. We've been going about 34 years now. And you mentioned earlier that you now have stage payments. So this is a, this is a corker for anybody doing any form of service delivery that isn't you know you're using things like putting paving down doing joinery all the trades type type stuff this is classic this is something you you in my opinion ought to be including in your processes so you now have them pay as you go through if we're doing a large installation we will insist on stage payments but we also now do contracts whereas before we used to do a written quote and thought that that was enough. It's not. You need a contract. You need to dot the I's, cross the T's, because as nice as they are, they will actually stab you in the back. They'll get you going, oh, well, can you just do that little bit? It'll not take much. But they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. But time is money. So you need to be really strong. I've had people say to my husband when he was in the business, my God, she wouldn't even let me have 50p off. But that's our money. Yeah. And they wouldn't, if they was doing something, they'd be the same. So you've got to be tough. Absolutely. It's a bit like this. Unless you're selling a product like, say, Tesco's, Waitrose, Aldi's, whoever are, where you get the product, you've got the products, you pay for it all in one go. I mean, nobody would expect to get a chicken and pay a pound a week for the next seven weeks, Mm. would they? So if your business isn't a product-based business, i.e. you have a product, you sell the product, that's the end of it. If it involves some form of delivery service, whether it's coaching, consulting, trades, you know, building extensions, you need to make sure you have some form of terms and conditions because your terms and conditions form part of your contract. And if you haven't got those processes yet, then learn from others before you. There are people out there that will pay deposits and then argue every reason why they shouldn't now pay for the rest of the work that you've already done. And in the case of Karina's, you've even paid suppliers. So it's a big thing in business, guys. So consider that. So the business is still running, isn't it? You still help out your son. Yeah. And on top of that, you have your own business. I do. So tell us a little bit more about what that is, what what you do and why you decided to go into it. Well, it's a 
it's a travel business. For years, I've always wanted to be a travel agent. Um, I've always travelled far and wide. Our kids have been to some wonderful places. I think it was in 2004, me and my daughter had moved out. She was going around the world. She was having a gap year. And she was going to be in Australia for November, December and January, as we thought then. So I said, again, without asking my husband, I said, me and your dad will come and spend, what do you want, your birthday, which is November, or do you want Christmas? She went, not bothered about my birthday, Mum. And I knew what she meant, she was going to be with her friends. So I said, we'll come out for Christmas and New Year. And we went to STA Travel because she was a student. And because my daughter was a student, we could get our holiday discounted through them. Um, went home and said to my husband, Amy's booked for Australia. I've got a quote for us. And I've told Amy we'll go and spend Christmas and New Year. And he said, okay, but I don't want to fly for any more than seven or eight hours. So I booked, we was away 42 days. I booked 15 separate flights. And I then did the hotels myself. And we had some amazing hotels I just let the ball slip on one, which was in (laughs) Fiji. The description was beachside villa with sunset cruises on the sands. You walk out of your villa onto the sands. Well, you know what that conjures up. Yeah. When we got there, it was like a toilet block split into two. with mesh up at the window yeah you could walk onto its sands but it was covered in grass so that was that and the sunset cruise which I was looking forward to because come on let's be right it's Fiji it conjures up don't tell me it was a pirate ship (laughs) it was a rowing boat (laughs) and we went to reception they went what drink do you want and they was bashing this local thing and it looked like mud. And I went, I'll have a lager. And my husband said, say, they gave us a can of lager each. And we got on this <laughs> rowing boat and there was just me and my husband on this rowing boat and this boat rowing. <laughs> oh, it was a lovely sunset, but not what I could have But it wasn't, it wasn't a cruise. <laughs> no. And it's quite funny now, because, you know, in Scotland, they used to, um, a terraced house can often be referred to as a villa. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what picture a terraced house conjures up in Rotherham, don't you? (laughs) It ain't pretty and it don't have a pool. (laughs) Well, it's a bit like that in Fiji. But Fiji was lovely, but the accommodation was not. I mean, I guess that's everything. I mean, mean, there's now a few regulations about it. Even estate agents used to this, you know, they'd come up with some wonderful wording and you'd think you were getting a palace and actually you were getting a hovel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crazy. So you often decided, given you could do it for that, you could do it for anybody. Yeah, I I loved it. Every time we went away, I was always planning where we'd go next. Um, And I'd been wanting to do it for quite a few years. And unfortunately, I lost my mum. My mum left me some money. And to become a travel agent with some companies, the dearest I found was 12000 which is a is lot that, of Is that like a franchise? It is like a franchise. Um, and you do get your training, but you go and do it in a hotel and everything else. My friend rung me up and said, I've put your name forward. It's for a travel agent. And I went, oh, no, it's going to be expensive. 
Anyway, she told me about it. I phoned up about it. It wasn't. It wasn't in the thousands to join. Um, I've joined. I've been doing it over a year. I've got a team coming up six. I'm just waiting for that final one to go through. And I've got some others waiting to do it. Um, and it's all doing well. I'm doing a car rally next year. Yeah, and that's for a charity, isn't it? It You're is organizing for a charity, that. yeah. And I've wrote off to other charities to ask them about their functions that they do. Plus, I was speaking to a fellow networker and he's got something for me that will be massive. Um, so if you're thinking of joining BNI, it's worth it because for me, it's opened so many doors and when this other fellow person brings it forward, which he would have done today, but obviously we're not there today for obvious reasons. So it's great. My business is just growing massively. And for those that don't know, I know some of my listeners might have heard this in the past. BNI is Business Network International. It's um, it's a networking business networking meeting where seats are exclusive. Um, if you hold the travel agency in that room, nobody else can come in. So you get a bit of exclusivity. And it sounds like Karina actually being part of our group has actually helped your business massively. Oh, it has massively. I've got uh, quotes, two for Bali for next year. I've got um, one for Stellar Island this year. These are all quotes that have just gone out. I've got quite a big trip to America, which we're finalising. Um, I've also got people that are going to Tenerife. I've got someone away this weekend in Rutland Water, which is a beautiful spot. So we don't, I don't just do abroad. I do UK, I do car hire, I do insurance, travel insurance, anything really, basically. Anything to do with holidays. And you talked about you're about to have your sixth team member. These aren't employees, are they? The no. format of your business I'm not, I don't think it's network marketing per se, but it's a similar principle. You bring people on who also have their own business yeah. and then you benefit from, yeah. from what they're doing as well. Yeah, I do. Basically, I mentor them. Yeah. I help them. I've got one particular girl. It took her 14 months. She kept saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then she got, I'm so anxious. I'm so afraid. What if I fail? I said, well, you're failing now because you're not trying. And she's going really well. She's doing, And she's actually coming on the rally with me because I've been talked into driving on the rally. Yeah, this is, um, this is a rally that, is it, it goes down through Africa somewhere? No, it doesn't go through Africa. Is it not Africa, this one? No, it goes across Europe. The last one they did, it was Germany, Switzerland, Austria and France. But they said they've changed the route and I've got a meeting at the end of September when I'll find it exactly. But it's always across Europe. You drive from uh -huh. Sheffield up to Hull, across and then. But the downside is the car can't be worth any more than £650. Yeah. So years ago, I, um, I had a, a friend's son went in one and theirs was through Africa. And you couldn't spend more than a certain amount of money on the car. Anything that went wrong with it on the route, you had to try and mend it without paying any money. And ultimately, when you got to the destination, the local nation in Africa then got to keep the vehicle. Uh, and I think some of the guys did it in ice cream vans. <laughs> 
but that one was across Africa, which is why I thought the cars, yeah. the cash one was going through Africa no. as well. So what happens with the vehicles when you get to the destination then? Well, the, the vehicles, the bonnets are actually designed by local Sheffield artists and the bonnets are sold off. Now, whether they take the car with it or not, I don't know, but the car stays there. Because I'm flying back. There's going to be an amazing car graveyard at the end of this lot, guys, isn't there? Well, isn't there? And I'm going with two girls and neither of them drives. So I'm the only driver. We might have to have a chat then, hun. <laughs> um, yeah, so so you've got teams growing. You've been doing it just over a year. Yeah. What's been your biggest struggle or challenge during that year in your business? Getting... Because you're a travel agent and the majority of people are spending two, three grand upwards, they don't know you. So you've got to keep posting and put posts out so that people get to know you as a person. Because once they get to know you, they then feel they can trust you and then they'll come to you and ask you to quote for a holiday. And I think that's the biggest struggle. You don't want to do it and think, oh, I'll be booking holidays next week because that doesn't happen. Yeah. So you've just got to, it's not a slow burn, but it is a slow start. It's, but you've got to keep going and you'll actually see people watching you. People watch you all the time. And, and then eventually they step yeah. in. I mean, you mentioned a, a, a little while ago about, yeah, I can't remember what you mentioned now. My brain's gone <laughs> funny. Isn't that funny? I lost what I was going to say there. I tend to make <laughs> That make people that do was that. it. You, you, <laughs> Karina always does, you know. <laughs> Usually in the meeting, she's tapping her nails on the table and my brain's screaming internally. <laughs> I had to say to her at the start of this recording, guys, don't tap your nails on the table. She's got wonderful nails, but don't tap your nails on the table because obviously the mic picks it up. Anyway, I've now remembered <laughs> what I was going to say. So you spoke about one of your ladies saying she was a bit scared and you said, yeah. well, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't try. That reminds me of the thing. At the end of the day, the you know, whether you do or you do not, the only thing that's certain is if you do not, you're guaranteed to fail because yeah. you won't have even attempted doing it. So, uh, yeah, I like that one. I do say that, but the other thing I did say to her was, I won't let you fail because I'm her mentor. Yeah. So, and she's come on, she's booking holidays. She's, the rally is six legs. So I've given, well, I asked my team, who wants a leg? <laughs> so, <laughs> not that way. <laughs> I thought we were back to the inside leg measurements from the beginning for a second. <laughs> no, who wants a leg of it? And only two people come forward um, and she's loving it. But I've also told her, I haven't given her an option. We have a presentation to do at the end, I think it's the 5th of October. Um, and I've told her she's coming. Brilliant. And she's gone, I can't. I, can't. I said, you can. You'll do it. You'll be fine. You'll get into it. So she's coming. And she's doing really well. So if you are anxious and worried about any type of business, try it. Because what's it going to do? You're either going to make it or you're not. And if you set it up right, you haven't lost much. And that's what I love about these kinds of businesses for people. You know, they can be a side hustle. You can do them alongside other things. Um, and network marketing, love it or hate it. And there are some bad ones and there are some good ones. 
And, you know, like any business, you get some ambassadors of these that are pushy and you get some that realize you have to build connections because people buy from people they like, know and trust. But network marketing, from my point of view, I see it as something that is great because they often don't cost a lot to get into. And it means you can do it alongside an existing thing, whether it's raising children, having a job. And because they're often a low investment, if you put the effort in, do the knowledge, do the steps, yes, you're going to get some people that are like, go away. But as you build up those connections, it's like, it's like Karina says, it's a slow start, not a slow burn and could lead to like Karina's house to a business that a year on is doing some great things by the sounds of it. It is. I mean, I could tell you very quickly, I'll tell you about a guy. He's been doing it three years. He is a personal trainer and he was working on a cruise ship and yeah, he was traveling all over the world. He thought, I would like to travel more, but I don't get to see much because he's on a cruise ship. Yeah. And basically he started with this three years ago and he is now a one star, a three star, sorry, three star director. He's just spent six months in Bali and he's, him and his girlfriend are both in the same business. They work from a sunbed with a laptop, their phone. They don't work as such. They're just living their lives yeah. brilliantly. And he's doing another six months somewhere else. He's actually coming to Peru. Him and his girlfriend are coming with us to Peru to climb this mountain. And I'm sort of, oh, my God, he's a personal trainer. He's going to be so fit. And I have put a message out to everybody that's going, just remember, guys, I'm 66. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not in my 30s. So if you want to go on, I'll do it slow. I'll do it in my pace. And believe it or not, they've shocked me all. They've all come back and said, don't be silly. We're doing it together and we'll do it at your pace because it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. And that's what businesses are about. Sometimes it's not about where you're going. It's remember sometimes to stop and look at what you're grateful for and what you appreciate on the journey that you're currently on. Because we're all on a journey And even when we get to what we think is our destination, trust me, you'll realize there's another destination Mm. after that one. So that's brilliant. And the thing with this personal trainer, Karina, means you get another hug if he's ripped, because obviously (laughs) that's the pattern, isn't it? If they're ripped, you want a hug. (laughs) I think they're all ripped. Yeah, back to the dragon. So I'm guessing that this guy, three-star director, I'm guessing that's fairly, you know, successful in yeah. the network business. These yeah. are just some of the things that network marketing businesses do, guys. They have different stages as you get more successful. The thing to remember, do your homework, do the research, make sure that what you're getting into is something you're going to enjoy because in the early days, there's an awful lot of legwork uh, and a lot of hard work. And don't believe anybody that says when you get to the top, it's a passive income. Because everybody that I've ever met in network marketing, even at the top, is probably doing 30, 40 hours a week teaching other people to help others get to the top. So, you know, I don't believe there is truly any true passive income job unless you can employ people to do all the work for you and then it's passive. Yeah. The only thing different, I've never found it in any other company, 
once we get to one star director, it's willable yeah. to our family and friends. And they don't have to work if they don't want to. Yeah, they can just live off what's yeah. left. And there yeah. are stages you can choose yeah. to actually get the top and then just live passively on the rest yeah. of it. Um, but for most people, they get there and they want that business to continue to grow. And I do know of one other that has a willable, right. um, a willable one, but that's fantastic. So Karina... It, brilliant, hun. Uh, I know that you are, are a lady that never sits on her laurels. Uh, and I always find it fascinating that the lady who turned down Dragon's Den <laughs> is still here 10 years later, still thriving, still out there doing what she needs to do and smiling at every single minute of it, which is brilliant. So Karina, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Right, you can get in touch with me on my email, which is Karina's Travel Destinations at gmail.com, or you can text me. My number is 0796 732 Facebook, I've got a Facebook page, which again is Karina's Travel Destinations. I'm on LinkedIn. You can get me on there under the same. I'm on Nextdoor, which is another platform. Again, it's all under Karina's travel destinations. And I'm looking at, but I'm not quite sure how to do it, but I'll learn how to do a video channel so that people can watch videos and get me on there. Yeah, and that's something you never know. We might help her to sort out because we know how to do those. <laughs> um, we will make sure all of those details are in the show notes if you send them across to me, Karina. Yeah. Now, I'm going to finish, as I always do, with a couple of quick fire questions. So my first one for you, skis or sunbed and why? Sunbed. Because I can't fall down and break my leg. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a perfectly good reason. <laughs> now, you're doing a lot of stuff at the minute. You're doing the... Um, Cars for Cash Rally or yeah. Cash for Cars Rally, whatever it is, you're going to Peru to walk up a mountain. Crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've done some crazy stuff in my life and I'm not sure I want to do any more again. <laughs> um, so if there's one thing right now you could do to change the world, what would it be? I don't want to be controversial. controversial. Go for it. I was brought up that if we were short of money... We went out there and worked for it. I think there are far too many people saying, I want the government to give me this. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but get off your backsides and get it yourself because no one gave me anything. I have a story that I'll tell you once. I have only ever been to the dole office once. And I went because I hadn't got a job. This was before I had children. And I was told that my husband had got £11 in his bank account and he could support me. I've never been ever again. And I've had bad times, but I've gone out and bought a cauliflower or gone to the corner shop and said, can you put me this on till Friday? And done cauliflower cheese for tea. Sort yourself out. Take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. So change the world by getting more people to actually be more proactive about responsibility yeah. on their own life. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. And yes, we don't mind controversy on this program. Um, next one for you. Let's see. Uh, climbing or walking? Well, that's a difficult one because I'm going to be walking and climbing. I know you are. That's why I've asked it. <laughs> 
I'd rather walk than climb, but you get a bigger buzz when you climb, when you get to the top and you do it. Maybe climbing. Climbing, brilliant. And the one I always ask everybody because the show is called Sweat, Grit and Hustle, which one of those resonates with you the most and why? Sweat, grit or hustle? Well, I think all three because you have to have the grit to do it, which makes you sweat and you've got to hustle. If you don't hustle, you get nothing. Yeah. So I guess hustle's the first one, then you have to have the grit and the sweat. So they're all three the same to me. I love it. I love the fact. And I, the funny thing is when I asked that, I thought Karina's a hustler. <laughs> uh, and as I've said so many times, hustle does not, is not a bad word. It's, it's about you getting on with your business, taking responsibility. And I guess there's an element of hustling when you go to the corner shop and say, can I have a cauliflower on tick, please? Yeah. Not sure there's many corner shops does that these days, <laughs> but we're, we're beginning to show our age because that's how we live. That's what my mum used to have to yeah. do. Um, and it's quite funny. We look at the world today in, you know, 2022. And, you know, I remember back in 73, I was seven years old. And, you know, we're facing at the minute the the sort of rumours that they may be actually cutting the power off to try and conserve energy because of what's going on in, in the UK yeah. at the minute. Well, we had that in 73 and 74. They actually had an act that meant there was going to be a three-day week in order to conserve energy supplies. And you know what? My parents, and we didn't know at the time, they were actually just trying to live with very little mm. money because my dad was a miner. We put the oil lamp on, we sat around the tables, we played cards. They were some of my most memorable times as a kid, sitting around a table playing cards with my family. Why? Because the UK, the inflation had doubled, we were on three-day working weeks, the energy was getting switched off. Mm, sounds a bit like today, yeah. but it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. You can do something to actually still make life phenomenal when that happens. I think you can. I just think too many people are so used to putting their hand out and having it given yeah. to them. You don't need to have it given. You need to get out there and do something. So, in fact, I started this travel business because I thought, I can't keep working. And what can I do? I love travel. So do travel because I can sit at a computer till I'm 99. As long as I'm still here. <laughs> but I just don't be afraid of anything. Just try it. Because what's the worst that can happen? People can say no, which they've not hurt you. If you, don't, if you don't ask, it's a no. I know. Well, it's pride, isn't it? Yeah. You think, oh God, what if they say no? Well, what if they say no? It doesn't matter. Um, a no is closer to a yes. So keep going. Yeah. Don't give up. And I think a lot of people do that. They hit the first hurdle and they just think, too hard. I'm too hard, gonna... too hard. Yeah, I'll go and get a job. I'll go and do this. I'll go yeah. and do that. So interesting times that we live in. Karina, it has been wonderful and I knew it would be a giggle. And there were lots of things where you said, that's another story. We may have to get to those other <laughs> stories at some point, my dear. It has been wonderful learning about your time on Dragon's Den, what you're doing now. And I think it's admirable, these charity things that you're now getting involved in. So well done and thank you. No, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Brilliant. And as you probably heard earlier, Karina mentioned that today we are not at our network meeting. 
it's the day after, as we record this, it is the day after the Queen's death and that is why it shut down. So all I'd like to do to end this programme is, Your Majesty, you served as well. Rest in peace. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.